This is Mary Morantz, and you are listening to the Radical Radiance Podcast. Welcome back to the Radical Radiance Podcast. I'm your host, Rebecca George. This is where we tackle important topics to help you radiate the heart of Jesus in every aspect of your life. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about silencing your inner critic. We're talking all about chapter 10 of Do the Thing, gospel-centered goals, gumption, and grace for the go-getter girl. We are joined by one of my favorite guests and yours, Mary Morantz, author of Dirt and Slow Growth Equals Strong roots. This is something that many of us struggle with on a daily basis. We'll explore how 2 Corinthians 2 verses 14 through 17 reminds us that we are the aroma of Christ and how this truth can inform how we are able to show up in our lives as a Christ follower. Whether you're an achiever or struggling with self-doubt, this episode is for you. So sit back, relax, and let's start silencing your inner critic today. Help me welcome our special guest, Mary Morantz, back to the show. Mary, I am so excited to have you back on the Radical Radiance podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Oh my gosh. I like the chance to come back on here and talk about this new book of yours. Like I would not be anywhere else. Thank you so much for including me. Yeah. Well, I am so excited. I was thinking about friends that I wanted to include in this series that we're doing about each individual chapter of Do the Thing. And as I thought about the chapter called Silence the Inner Critic, obviously you are the first person that I thought of and you speak so well to this topic and it just made so much sense to have this conversation Mm. with you. So I'm super excited about it. And I just love how we have structured these conversations. One, we have started with scripture and pulled a couple Mm. of passages that we really unpack in that particular chapter and kind of tee us off there. And then we'll sort of go from there as we unpack the rest. And so the first passage that I pulled out of that chapter was 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 17. So I'm going to read that for us. It says, but thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God, um, Mm. to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing to one, a fragrance from death to death to the other, a fragrance from life to life. Who is sufficient for these things? For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God in the sight of God, we speak in Christ. And so Mm. I've always loved this verse of just remembering that we are the aroma of Christ. The literal meaning of that word is the fragrance Mm. of Christ. And so I just wonder, as I read that passage, how does that challenge you in your daily life to remember that? That's what we get to be, right? The fragrance yeah. of Christ to those around us. How does that yeah. how does that challenge you? Oh wow. First of all, like I, I'm sitting here thinking if I've ever actually dug into that particular scripture, and I don't know that I have, um, especially like with that definition of fragrance. And so what it makes me think of right off the bat is there's actually an entry in my first book, Dirt, where I'm talking about joy. And how when I was growing up in Sunday school, we just mostly talked about Nebuchadnezzar. So I had, <laughs> we just spent a lot of time on that guy. I don't know why. Um, but we, we, we were never taught like we're called to joy or what quiet time was or how to worship or anything like that. And mm. so 
being an adult and coming into the Christian world um, and sort of always feeling just like a little bit on the outside of the closed circle, it felt to me at some of the early conferences that I went to that there were people who were selling joy as if it were a perfume. And I'm like, I could picture the like actress yeah. in like a field of pink flowers laughing on the cover, the, the, the smell of it being pumped into the room like Abercrombie and Fitch, you know, like you, like it was, it was too sweet to be real. It was too mm. um, manufactured to be real. And I said something to the effect of, you know, this this actress is sitting among these flowers, um, these wildflowers, except none of them are truly wild. Every one of them from a forced hot house, forced greenhouse um, into bloom, all pale pink. And when I looked closer, they were all planted in, you know, astroturf, not even real dirt, right? And so it brought it back to dirt. Mm. And so what I love about thinking about us getting to walk into the room and be the aroma of Christ is that in my mind, it becomes the opposite of that, right? It is not yeah. this kind of thing that knocks you over. Or you can smell it 12 stores down in the mall um, or it just like, it's so sickeningly sweet that it it doesn't refresh. It's more like a cool breeze into mm. a stale room. And that when you walk in, there's just a ever so imperceptible, almost subtle shift that makes people relax and feel yeah. calm and feel a little bit of peace the same way mm. that just a gentle breeze would. And and it's very tempting for us in a world that rewards the people who are shouting, the people who are the noisiest, the people who are okay working with the tools of the times, the social media, you know, attention machine. Um, it's very easy for a fragrance that's manufactured to become the loudest in the room. So mm. what that tells me is is we get the we get the benefit of being subtle. Right? Yeah. We get to, we get the option of being subtle. We get to draw people in with that aroma rather than overpower them. Mm. That's so good and it's reminding me of another metaphor that I use a lot. And we we say this often, right? We have to make sure we continue to fill our cups because when we pour out to others all the time, we end up, you know, dry and empty. And when we think about filling our cup with scripture and time with the Lord in prayer, and like we're filling, we're filling, we are filling our cups with something every day, mm -hmm. right? And we all, if we all have a cup, we walk into that room and our cups are going to spill against other cups all day long, right? Yeah. And I think it's, it's remembering like what is spilling when my life spills into the lives of others around me, like, let it be wow. Jesus, right? Like, yeah. may it be Jesus. And so as you're talking about that analogy of walking into a room and that imperceptible fragrance or aroma, I'm thinking of that, you know, that almost rougher analogy of our, of our cups spilling into one another. And in I the same that. way, that's let it so be good. Jesus that spills, right? Dang, that's because so good. Our and cups like Oh, I was just going to say, one theory of the origin of toasting glasses is that a little bit of your liquid would fall into the other person's cup. So if you were trying to poison them, and vice versa, if you were trying to poison yeah. them, then that poison would come back into yours. So it was sort of like a show of trust that like oh, wow. us bumping up against one another, we're not going to poison one another. That's so good because, wow. man, it's wow. so easy to do. 
when you are in that bitter place, when you're in that toxic place, when you're not processing grief or hurt, it's so easy to spill that out on other people. Did you know that my debut book, Do the Thing, Gospel-Centered Goals, Gumption, and Grace for the Go-Getter Girl is available wherever you like to buy books? I wrote it, well, I wrote it just for you, friends. So if you are ready to see your gifts and talents from a gospel-centered perspective, prioritize goals related to your calling as you move forward with gumption and grace, maximize your passions in the work you do every day, actively partner with God to serve Him and love others, and overcome negative thought patterns so you can brainstorm, develop, and create with the confidence of a go-getter girl. If that sounds like you, then I want you to order today at the link in the show notes below. Each chapter includes prayer prompts, scripture for further study, questions for reflection, action steps to move your goal forward, and accompanying videos for individual or small group discussion. So grab a friend or 12 and let's use God's word as our compass to do the thing. After all, if not now, when? One of my greatest joys is having the opportunity to come share God's word at women's events, retreats, and conferences. I'm booking speaking engagements for this year and next year and would love to chat with you about your church's next event. Shoot me an email at hello at radicalradiance.live to start a conversation today. Yeah, that's so true. I hadn't thought about it that way. That's so good. Well, and another piece of um, just silencing our inner critic that I think really helps me is a passage that I have journaled through. I can't tell you the number of times, and it's from Philippians 4. And we walk through this in the book of kind of walking through a thought life inventory. So to read that passage in Philippians 4, it's verse 8. It says, finally, brothers, whatsoever is true honorable, just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there be any excellence and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. And we're probably, most of us, familiar with that verse in Philippians and and Paul's words there. What I have found helpful is to walk myself through two lists of questions when maybe I'm believing Mm -hmm. something that I'm, I'm thinking back of, wait, like God didn't say that to be true about me and I'm believing something that needs to be transformed. And I point myself to that passage and the first list of questions that I work through is, is this, and then I fill in the blank with all of those words that Paul says Mm -hmm. in verse eight, right? Is this true? Is this honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise? And that can be very revealing. And then I go Mm -hmm. over to the right-hand side of my paper and then ask myself the list of questions that starts with, what is, right? If that's not true, then what is true? What is lovely? What is commendable and worthy of praise that God says in his word about this particular issue or maybe this thing that I'm believing? And so I know you and I talked about that when we talked on your show as well. And I wonder, as you think about that exercise as we you know, find ourselves believing those things that God never said about us. How does, how do those truths encourage you? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I love that because I, I think it's like, it's one thing. I love that you have that two-step process. It's one thing to go, is this true? No. And then just leave somebody there. And, and, and yeah. it has to be anchored in for every lie that your inner critic would love to tell you that. I mean, man, I am so much meaner to myself than I would ever ever consider being to anybody else. And in fact, 
we probably share this a little bit in common, be having that really strong um, achiever drive. I know you, you said you yeah. are an achiever. I have a very, very strong achiever wing. I'm a four wing three. I have often found myself saying, there is nobody harder on me than me, as if it were a badge of my work ethic or my excellence or the standard I hold myself to. There's nobody harder on me than me. And I think I, there's like a really cool softening that comes with age, um, where sort of like you, like you can't hold your fist clenched tight for that long. And so it starts to unravel a bit. And it is this idea of instead of like, creating out of punishment or creating out of like you know driving yourself as hard as you can go to the point of collapse what does it look like to create a create from a place of love like if you actually loved yourself or you actually acted like you were beloved by the creator of the universe how would your work change what would the creations you put into the world change and there's there's a part in slow growth where i talk about like would every palm like would like the pain etched from the psalm of, or the psalm etched from our pain or something like that. And it talks about like, would every word become a worship? Would every painting become poetry in motion or something like that? It's better than mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in the actual That's sentence. beautiful. But, but it is this idea for me. It's like, you know, I, for a long time have used that inner critic because at least yeah. if the inner critic was speaking, I got stuff done. And that's really hard to admit. Um, mm-hmm. There's a part um, in Slow Growth, you know, we revisit the girl in the red cape from the perspective of the wolf. And it says, at a certain point, the big bad wolf is afraid of her because she has mm-hmm. learned how to twist the thorn in its paw to send it roaring back into fight or flight mode anytime she needs it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I've, how I've operated with my inner critic. I might not like him or her very much, um, it very much, but... It's like a, a co-worker who, well, at least we help yeah. each other get stuff done. And that's messed up. Ooh. And I'm going to stop doing that. Yeah. 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 We all do, though. I mean, we, yeah. it is so hard. And you and I talked about this before we got on, even in what we do for a living. It is so stifling when we yeah. get caught in that trap. And it just kills my creativity and, and my mm-hmm. joy. Like, back to joy. Yeah. Right. My inner critic just is just a joy stealer um, mm. and certainly has been um, in this season. I mean, I've really even, it's just been an opportunity to live out part of the message of what you write, right? Which I feel like God always yeah. gives us the opportunity to do. And another piece that I touch on in the book is how sometimes our inner critic is so loud that it can really make decision-making difficult. And I talk about this idea of just decision paralysis that I know I sometimes get in when um, my inner critic is really loud. And so when that happens in your life, I wonder what helps you sort of find a way forward when you're stuck Mm -hmm. in that decision paralysis. Well, I mean, I I love that you talk about this in the book. And um, I, I don't think it's something like people realize they're doing enough like how how many places they're playing small and how much they're holding back from where yeah. god might be calling them the purpose that's in their life the gifts that he's given them um there's there i say there's so many people who are you know a, a, a world full of um achievers slow limping around like the walking dead um because at a certain point to create nothing is safer than to create failure 
We would mm. rather create nothing than risk creating failure. And um, I think that's at the heart of it, right? It's like this idea of we're so afraid that, you know, if we don't know the perfect blueprint, if it's not perfect when we start, if we don't know every step on the staircase, if we aren't sure we can stay consistent with it, or if we aren't sure we have the bandwidth for it. So let's just wait. Let's just wait until we can do all those things. Let's, you know, we don't know if we should do this way or that way. Um, we think we have to wait until it's all figured out before we get started. But the truth is anything I've ever done you have to get started in order to figure it out. And so yeah. for me in those times when I'm really like overthinking it, because the ultimate heart of why we're overthinking it is if I choose wrong, then I'll fail and I'll never get another chance again. That that mm -hmm. failure will define mm -hmm. me for the forever. You know, if I send in the wrong proposal for a book and it doesn't get picked up, I'll never get to write another book again, the chance to write mm -hmm. another book again. And so in those times when I'm really getting in my head or one of my coaching clients is really getting in their head, I love that quote from Marie Forleo that says, it's all figure outable. All figure outable. If it doesn't yeah. work, it's all figure outable. We'll, we'll pivot, yes. we'll adjust, we'll adapt. Um, but, but motion breeds clarity. Yeah. 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 That's so good. So good. Mm -hmm. Well, and there's one more truth that I think changes everything for me when I'm feeling really stuck and my inner critic is loud. And I share a story in the book of a moment I had in one of my marathons. I had my, one of my worship playlists kind of on shuffle towards the end of the route. And this one particular song came on. And I'll never forget this moment. The song Yahweh by Elevation Worship, which is now so old because this marathon was eight or ten years ago. But there's a line at the end of that song. And it says, he who was and is to come is the one who lives in us the great mm -hmm. I am, Yahweh. And I remember reflecting on that truth of the one who was and is to come like, lives in me as a Christ follower. Yeah. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave is alive inside of me. And I get to partner with God in my work. I'm yeah. not, it's not all up to me. It's not all on me, right? I get to lean into him as I make these hard decisions. And so I wonder for you, um, does that like make you rest easier? Like it just, it just makes me like just exhale when I remember that biblical truth and just rest in that as my yeah. inner critic is really loud, like that helps me kind of move forward. So I wonder how does that encourage yeah. you? Yeah, I love that so much. And, and what it makes me think of is sort of like paying attention to the track record. Like mm. God has a 100% track record mm. of being right about me. You know, mm. he has a 100% track record of being right about where I'm headed um, and and being right about who I can help and being right about how I can be used. And then when I think about that inner critic or I think about, you know, I think I actually have both. Honestly, I think I have an inner critic that is me in some form. And then I think I have just another voice in there that is an enemy. Maybe they're the same. I don't know. But I think like if I'm being honest, like I'm kind of a bully to myself as well. Um, yeah. And both of those voices, um, they're very loud. But something I've learned mm -hmm. in real life and in my head is that the loudest voices in the room, it doesn't mean they're right. In fact, a lot of times they're seldom right, <laughs> right? Because they've mm -hmm. spent too much time focusing on volume than content. And mm -hmm. so um, I just look at those track records and all the times that I've said these things about myself of like, it's too late, it's too far gone, you've messed up again, you'll never get it right, why are you always like this? 
um, when you play out the variable of time, they're never right. Mm. You know, I never stay where I am. I might be down on the floor for a day, but I don't stay there. And so I just look at the track records, this idea of like, um, Audrey Roloff talks about a quote, a mentor of her said that is God's past faithfulness demands his present trust. And so his mm. track record of if he tells me something, we're headed somewhere, I don't need to know the how, or I don't need to tell him all the ways that I am going to mess it up or I'm not qualified. Like if he wow. says it, he's a hundred percent track record of being yeah. right. Yeah. That's yeah. so good. I love that so much. Mm. Well, as we think about the girl who is going to be coming to this conversation and walking through this piece of the book of just getting her arms around, how do I realize what's true and silencing her inner critic along the way? I wonder what would be your best piece of advice for that woman listening who just desperately wants to see her calling from a gospel-centered perspective? Yeah, something that has really been changing my life this year, and I would say, and it's almost like a year to the day actually, um, Mm. is I had Dr. Allison Cook on my podcast to talk about her book, The Best of You. And she was talking about this concept of capacity and reparenting. And like, if you grew up kind of in a a little bit of a chaotic um, childhood, or if you grew up where things felt unstable, you can become an adult who unintentionally self-sabotages. You don't realize you're doing it. You self-sabotage because there's this real belief that if you get a little bit more than like this little shot glass of capacity you think you can handle, then it will be the downfall of you, right? There's so many people who are listening right now where, yeah, you're afraid of failure, but you're even more afraid of who you might become if you get a little bit more than just barely Mm. get by. Will Will it be your downfall? Will you mess it up? Will you mismanage it? Will you become prideful? Will it bring critics if there are more eyes on it? And so she talks about the way that we start to expand our capacity, and we're going to define capacity as a self-trust. Not that you're putting your faith in yourself, but that you trust yourself to steward things well, your gifts well, to take these opportunities and these chances well, is you make small but important commitments to yourself and you keep them. So if you're listening and you have an inner critic that says your voice doesn't matter, but you feel called to use your words, commit to showing up this week. Commit to showing up for just a few minutes or commit to writing a post that will help just one people, one person, one people, one person at a time. And let you saying yes to those commitments prove to you there is somebody in the room who can handle this and will, will be a good steward of these gifts. And that person is you. Yeah, that that there the self trust of I won't use this for selfish reasons. I won't use this um, just to put attention on me, just to be that you know Abercrombie fragrance in the room. You learn that little by little, little by mm. little, stewarding little by little. Those who are trusted with little can be trusted with much. So that's yeah. my advice: little little yeah. steps, baby steps. I love Slow that. So time. good, <laughs> so good, so good, and so practical. Well, there is a question that I ask every guest that comes on the show. You've answered this question before. And the reason I love asking it is because the Lord's always at work in us. And this answer can change over time. And so the radical, the podcast is called Radical Radiance with a heart to help women see what does it look like for us to radiate the heart of Jesus in our life, our work, our relationships. And so I wonder today, Mary, how would you answer the question of what about Jesus makes you radiant? You know, the the phrase that came to mind, um, I did not plan this ahead of time, actually, but the phrase that just Ooh, came to mind it. when you were talking is saltwater. Um, mm. and, and 
what I mean by that is I think I've, for the last almost for a year to the day, uh, been walking through a season where there's just been a lot of salt water in my life, mostly in the form of tears uh, or walking out by the water by our house, spending a lot of time having hard conversations with God of like, how much longer, <laughs> you know, how much yeah. longer till all of these things that you have said start to come true. And, um, you know, I, I guess just sort of like that visual of the song Oceans, you know, the spirit lead me mm. where my trust is, you know, without borders where we can walk upon the water, whatever. Um, and so what is making me radiant is like, you know, don't don't underestimate what some good salt water, some good tears and actually being by the water can do for that glow. <laughs> mm. You glow differently when you spend a little time with salt water in Jesus. That's so good. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Well, Mary, I could not be more thankful for you, your voice, your friendship. And before we go, I want to make sure and let everybody know where can they listen to your show? Where can they grab your books and all of those things? Yeah, well, everybody should come listen to our full episode all about your book over on the Mary Marant Show. You can go to the MaryMarantShow.com. Um, click over to the blog and just search for Rebecca and it'll bring up that episode or we'll link it up in these show notes maybe. Yeah. Um, and that's just a beautiful conversation. I mean, I like I really hope that in the midst of this conversation about inner critics, I think one of the best antidotes to the inner critic is celebration. And I just really hope, you know, at the mm. time we're recording this, it's really close to that book having come out. And I just hope you have taken some time to really see what a monumental thing you have accomplished that like 85% mm. of people in the world want to do and like 1% of people actually make happen. And you have done that. And so, um, yes, everybody go check out that episode and, and tell our girl how proud of her we are. Um, and at Mary Moran's on Instagram, you can come send me a DM. Um, actually, here's a really fun thing you can do is go to achieverquiz.com or you'll see it on the site, <gasps> marymarans.com yes, slash quiz. I love this quiz. Yeah. And, and find out which of the five achiever types you are. We've got a performer, a tightrope walker, a contortionist, a masquerader, and an illusionist in the distance waiting on things to be perfect. Um, so are you always on your toes? Do you twist up into tiny knots so you won't be criticized? Do you hide in plain sight? Quiz takes two minutes. It'll tell you your type, what your inner critic might be telling you that gets you stuck, and how you move forward with purpose. And then send me a DM on Instagram at Mary Marantz to let me know which type you got. I love that quiz so much. I'm a performer, which you know. Yes, and me too, me too. Yeah, it is so helpful. And the thing I love... I love so many things about you, Mary, but one of them is <laughs> you are so poetic in the way that you speak and in the way that you write, and yet you are so practical. Mm. And a lot of people have one or the other, and you have both. And that's the beautiful thing about how God yeah. made you. And so I see it in your writing. I see it in conversations mm. I have with you. And so for our friends who are checking you out on your podcast or the quiz or your books, you will absolutely find that in Mary. And so I yeah. could not be more thankful for you um, and just all you poured into my life and just was so excited to have this conversation with you today. So thank you for being with me. Well, I love you and same. And I feel like we have found each other for a reason and, and 10 or 15 years from now we'll be Looking back on these days. <laughs> we will. I cannot wait for yeah. that. Yeah. 
And that's a wrap for today's episode. I hope you found these insights on silencing your inner critic helpful and encouraging. By using tools like the journaling exercise and focusing on the truths we find in scripture, you can combat these negative thought patterns and replace them with truth. I hope you enjoyed all of this wisdom from Mary. If you have not grabbed a copy of Dirt or Slow Growth Equals Strong Roots, I highly recommend both of her books. And if you enjoyed today's episode, be sure to check out my new book, my debut book, Do the Thing, Gospel-Centered Goals, Gumption, and Grace for the Go-Getter Girl. As we mentioned, this episode is kind of modeled after chapter 10. So as you dig into the book, make sure that you kind of pair this conversation with that chapter. As always, thank you so much for listening to the Radical Radiance podcast, and I will see you next time.